You're listening to the Quince podcast. Delhi of the early 70s. A woman appears almost out of nowhere and declares herself to be a queen. Begum of Awadh to be more specific. She comes with an entourage of servants around 15 hounds and her two children, Princess Sakina and Prince Cyrus. What she's looking for is a palace befitting of a royal family. It takes her around 8 years to get the then Prime Minister of India Indira Gandhi to accept her claim that she'd been wronged, that she deserved the dignity of a royal and a palace she's finally given. Not exactly what she had in mind, but they would have to make do with it. Malcha Mahal. If the name suggests any grandeur, the place is devoid of it. Because well, Malcha Mahal is not exactly a palace, but a 14th-century hunting lodge made of stone tucked away in the middle of a jungle in central Delhi. Over the next handful of decades, the mystery that the Begum brought with her would pique everybody's interests. They were a lonesome lot, living in the middle of civilization, yet so far away from it. They shooed away visitors. rarely appeared in public like the other erstwhile royals that continue to be in malcha mahal uncared for unkempt in abject poverty like ghosts unable to come to terms with the present till the last of them prince cyrus would pass away in 2017 and then comes an interesting twist these royal descendants of awadh were not royals after all There was an inkling that something was amiss about the whole charade of royalty, but what exactly was it? That was the story that journalists here were trying to crack for decades unsuccessfully until very recently when the mystery was disentangled by Ellen Barry, a journalist for New York Times. So who were these fake royals? So out of nothing else but sheer curiosity, uh we set out uh to check out the mahal for ourselves of course that reporters and journalists curiosity was getting the better of us so we came across this very small blink and you miss kind of a cut on sp mark and we reached this part where we saw the signboard which is very rusted and you have to really read it very carefully to figure out that trespassers will be gunned down that's g u n d o w n not gunned down but gunned down but it was written in a very like official and a fancy manner so almost seeming like somebody was very serious about meaning it there came a point when my colleague and i were like okay is he hallucinating is it what's happening and he's like you know she was shot at and you know they are trying to get us like every time my mother was friends with indira gandhi and just just random bits of information he was giving Rambling. us yeah and uh, then he's like okay just i have a number i'll call you if i want to and whenever i want to and then we went i remember going to the guards and we were like okay did you hear gunshots or something he's like no we never like we are here all the time and if we did like we would know so that was about it i think uh, and then he left and i well of course we never got the call You're listening to a special news and views podcast by the Quint, and I'm Shalini. Sure 
In 2017, it was the first week of November that we got the news of the death of Prince Cyrus or Prince Ali Raza as he was also known as. He had ousted himself from society like his mother Begum Velayat Mehal did, as did his deceased sister Princess Sakina. He was the last living occupant of Malcha Mehal living all on his own without friends, company, money or even electricity for that matter. And he was found alone in his death too. on 2nd november 2017 every city has mystery spots a ghastly house or a reticent family and the less we know about them the more the mysteries weave around them in india's capital city malcha mahal would be one such mystery spot an ancient structure bang in the middle of modernity But it was not the history of Malcha Mahal that attracted curious folks and journalists. It was the history of these curious modern occupants. There seemed to be a history with loopholes and gaps. Sure, they claim to be of royal descent, but why would they shy away from going to the end of the world to prove it? Over the years, they'd keep writing letters to the government, give a few interviews to foreign journalists, but why did the other known descendants refuse to acknowledge their claims and call them frauds instead? After his death, journalists who were previously shooed away and intimidated by the presence of Prince Cyrus and his family would finally get an opportunity to enter this ancient hunting lodge and unpack all its mysteries. And so, like a few others, I was going to head there too for a photo story. And honestly, if you've read the reports on it, nothing about the eerie mystery of Malcha Mahal and Ali Raza was exaggerated. My colleague and senior editor at the Quint, Jaskirat Singh Bawa, recalls his visit to Malcha Mahal and his encounter with the recluse prince. Okay, so back in uh, 2013, um, I was a Supreme Court reporter, and on one Friday, one rare Friday occasion, uh, some of us uh, figured out that our day ended early because all the main stories and the cases were done. It was around noon, and someone came up with the idea of. Uh, Going for a bit of a drive to the rich forest area in Delhi. Uh, now, of course, we had all heard of the story of Malcha Mahal because it had been reported by foreign media time and again for the last twenty twenty five years, at least to our, our knowledge, and also by Indian media. But it was always a foreign journalist whose byline we used to see, clearly making it evident that they are the ones who were given better access. So, out of nothing else but sheer curiosity. Uh, we set out uh, to check out the mahal for ourselves of course that reporters and journalists curiosity was getting the better of us so we came across this very small blink and you miss kind of a cut on sp mark this is the kind of, this is the road that you know barack obama clinton bush and everyone take when they go for all the ceremonial Uh, uh, functions to New Delhi, to to Lutyens Delhi, to the Parliament, to North Block, South Block. This is the road that connects the airport to the power seat of the country. And there's this very small uh, uh, path, and it's a dirt track which just you know breaks in between that road, and you you all you will almost miss it because it's hidden by shrubs, and that's a rich forest area. So you really have to know where it is to be able to slow down your car or your bike to be able to take that turn. Now we took that turn, and it was a gravel path. Uh, so we remember we had to slow down, of course. And I think we went, we drove for about maybe a little less than a kilometer. Uh, and it was a bit. There was a few bends along the way. 
we came across this certain uh, a particular portion where we could see a board or signboard but we couldn't read it, uh, from it because it was really old and rusted and we figured this is where uh, our destination may be but another sign that uh, that this is where the path ends was this super polished almost like a complete bizarre contrast high security uh, zone which uh, the new york times uh, article calls a military zone but it's actually uh, the indian space research organization's earth station uh, what they do inside uh, because they do have military personnel over there for security so it's perhaps the function of that place is a little more than just space observation i'm not going to go into the details of that uh, but that's where the path ends and that's where you get to park the car so we got out and we walked around a bit uh, there were three of us uh and we stayed there for a good 5 10 minutes just trying to figure out what's happening over there and you know who who's there who's there to attend like who takes care of the property or who who attends to people wanting to visit or Did what goes on you want to trespass no no <laughs> so we had read stories about the fact that uh, the uh, the people who were staying there at that time did own guns and we couldn't uh, apart from that uh, installation where we saw guards who couldn't be bothered about us because they had a bigger asset to protect which again i don't know what it was but clearly was very like national security interest level stuff so we didn't really trust them to come to our rescue so we uh, we just uh, you know and, and plus uh, we didn't want to trespass because we were we we were respectful of the fact that this is after all somebody's property and house as much as our curiosity was there it didn't get the better of us to the extent that we you know went to the bar or something like that we just stood there and we waited and then when the patience was running out after a good half an hour or so we called out we asked is anybody there uh we waited for a while longer we he- heard some rustling in the bushes from across the barbed wire fence that was there and this is again a very rusty old broken fence i'm talking about if one wants one can easily uh hop o- hop across and you've been there yourself mm. uh so <laughs> so it, it is interesting because we heard a voice uh say who's there and the the manner in which it was spoken the manner in which this voice came across to us it seemed like somebody who spoke with an assumed authority a uh, air of authority and assumed uh, kind of like a control uh personality manner and this person said i have a gun and i will shoot you if you come any closer and that was a welcome that that those were the welcoming remarks and uh so so <laughs> so i guess we struck gold as far as the curiosity is concerned now this person we could not see his face we he was hidden behind the shrubs uh, and it is a really thick foliage over there now uh so we asked are, are, are you the prince you know and because that's what they used to address themselves at his highness uh, <laughs> and this is what we had all read the stories about so we were just trying to entice a response out of him so that we were addressing him as his highness and the prince to see if he will play along and in, he did except that he didn't allow us to enter the premises nor did he uh, you know agree to entertain us which is perfectly fine but he 
just had a very short terse conversation about wanting his family to be left alone by uh, in Indian journalists. Yeah, specifically uh, mentioned that. Yeah, especially like Indian journalists. He says that we are not up to no good and that he doesn't know if we are spying or if we are, you know, coming on behalf of someone else. Almost sounding a slightly paranoid, but given the circumstances and the stories that we had read, we completely understood and we were sensitive to that. So after a while, he said that uh, he also had a dog next to him who would attack us if we tried to act funny. And there were these, it was very weird because it was almost seeming like uh, talking to two different personalities because at one moment he would, he would want to sound chatty, but somewhere in between he will drop in sentences like, you know, I got a gun and I'll shoot if you come in or I have a dog and he'll attack you if you come. So these things kept, kept springing up in a very jarring manner. Anyway, we were running out of time and we had you know jobs to get back to and we wanted getting a story out of this one for sure mm-hmm. so that was our tiny little encounter with the so-called prince of malcha mahal their backstory will sound like a jigsaw puzzle but let me try putting all the pieces together as much as i can for you Ali's mother, Begum Vilayat Mahal, was a self-proclaimed granddaughter of Wajid Ali Shah, the last Nawab of Awadh. And she spent a good deal of her life writing to the government of India, asking that she be allotted a palace, compensation for a kingdom that was no more. She refused apartments and monetary compensation that were allotted to her. They nearly didn't measure up to her demands. The government paid no attention initially and to protest, she sat herself in the first-class waiting lounge at the New Delhi railway station along with her two children, a pack of hounds and some servants. She never had a palatial residence but settled for a hunting lodge built by Firoz Shah Tughlaq, who ruled over the Sultanate of Delhi. It was here that she committed suicide in 1993. The most common story goes something like this, that she had crushed diamonds and pearls and consumed it. But it's only one of those stories about this family that continues to remain a mystery. Sakina, who's Vilayat's daughter, also died a few years before Ali did. Nobody exactly knows when and nobody knows where she's buried. Neither of the siblings were very inviting. Nobody knew what exactly were they doing, how were they managing a living. Like I said, journalists for years have been trying to unravel the case, yet most of what was known about them were eccentric myths and half-truths. Former journalist Rupinder Kaur, who had also gone for an assignment, actually managed to speak to Ali Raza more than most of the others did. So I think this is back in Feb 2016 and I was working for this newspaper and the features editor uh, you know, asked me and my colleague that if we, if we want to try our luck and you know, go meet him, uh, see if he wants to talk to us. Um, so we did that and uh, we remember we left like early in the morning around 8 and we were outside Malja Mahal and I think there's uh, there's the Isro office nearby and uh, there were some guards so we were like okay is he around have you seen him so one of the guards told us that he had just left on his bicycle he'd gone to pay some bills or something so he might be back in a while we don't know. Um, and then, so we waited, I think we were there for some good two hours. We were, <laughs> I mean, we were just panicking because uh, my colleague was, uh, he got him flowers. So we were like, 
also talking about why he got him flowers. He's like, okay, we are we are meeting a royal, so why not get him flowers? So what, what was, what was the story that you had to do? So we had heard at that time that his sister had passed away. So we wanted to talk about that, his life, like what had been happening on the basis of whatever news reports we had of him, whatever articles we'd read, on something on the basis of those lines. Not really. Uh, I don't really remember the questions though. Uh, and I remember, so after two hours or something, he came on his bicycle. It was a rickety, rusty old bicycle, and uh, he saw us, and obviously he stopped. And uh, I asked him, I was like, "Sir, can we speak to you for a second? And he was really agitated. Like he was really agitated. His clothes were tattered; they were bloodied, uh, and uh, he was carrying a bunch of posters. And we saw this MTNL bill in his pocket, and uh, he was like, "You know, they they killed my dogs." That's the first thing he said to us. They killed my dogs. Uh, so he handed me the poster. It had blood on it, uh, and he said that okay, this happened yesterday, and I just went to the police station. They are not lodging a complaint, and I was like, who is they? Like, who are they? Like, he's like, I don't know, but then you know they attacked my dog, and you know this morning I found them dead, and I think they had like a bunch of grey mastiffs. Uh, so we're like, okay, we can probably help you out with this. So he's like, no, I've just been there, and they're not ready to do anything. So we were like, okay, so we just wanted to talk to you. We had a bunch of questions. If you're willing to talk to us, but he would not listen to us. He was really, really angry. He's extremely frail, also, and he told us he hadn't eaten since morning. Uh, so then I remember uh, he, we asked him that, okay, if not now, maybe later, if we can come to him, and if he'd like to speak to us. To which he said, no, uh, not right now, and I don't know when. Uh, then he looked at me and he's like, okay, it's not polite to ask a lady for her number, so I'm gonna ask him to give me his number, and if I feel like talking to you. Uh, then I'll call you up. So we're like, fine. So he's like, hold on, I'll be back. And then he left. Uh, so he left his bicycle there, and he went uh, to the uh, palace super. And we were a little scared again <laughs> that okay, what is he gonna come back with? Hopefully not a rifle to kill us. Uh, he came back within the next three minutes, and he had a bunch of photographs, and. Uh, And visiting cards of journalists from New York Times and uh, Washington Post and all that, fresh cards, fresh. So uh, he came to us and he showed. He's like, you know, since I can't invite you up there, uh, you can see pictures of how it looks like. So it was uh, there were a bunch of sofas, velvet sofas. Some there was a cannon apparently in there, and uh, and behind the pictures there were dates of when the the pictures were clicked sometime in 1990. And then uh, he again came back to the somebody trying to attack the family, and uh, we did not ask him about his sister, Sakina. Her name was Sakina, uh, but he's like, you know, the princess was also attacked, and I'm like, what happened? And he said, uh, you know, she she had to leave for Lucknow for her knee treatment, uh, and when she was leaving, she was shot at. And we're like, when did this happen? And you know, he's like, it was early in the morning, around three four a.m. So it was a little bizarre, and. There came a point when my colleague and I were like, "Okay, is he hallucinating? Is it what's happening?" And he's like, "You know, she was shot at, and you know, they are trying to get us. Like every time, my mother was friends with Indira Gandhi, and just just random bits of information he was giving Rambling. us. Yeah, and uh, then he's like, 'Okay, just I have your number. I'll call you if I want to, and whenever I want to.' And then we went. I remember going to the guards, and we were like, 'Okay.'" Did you hear gunshots or something? He's like, no, we never like we are here all the time, and if we did, like we would know. So that was about it, I think. Uh, and then he left, and I, well, of course, we never got the call. I went to Marjo Mahal 
two days after Ali Reza's death and I'll confess there was a lot of excitement about witnessing the setting. I had to walk through a narrow pathway inhabited by wild monkeys and cross a fair bit of wilderness and there Malcha Mahal stood almost swallowed by the jungle. The unkempt royal setting echoed memories of the characters who lived there like ghosts. The decor was haphazard almost as if somebody had tried to bring the warmth of a home but gave up midway through. Ali Raza had been living there until 2 days back yet it seemed the lodge had been lying unoccupied for several years. There were no proper rooms as such. The entrance had a large bed that was now scattered with documents that a couple of journalists and historians were pouring through. Very bare minimum furniture, a few cupboards here and there, some old clothes belonging to Sakina or perhaps Vilayat stuffed in with books in one closet, a random bottle of paint left in a shoe, some books scattered on the floor. To the right was a large dining area with a table laden with expensive bone china and glassware all of which was under a heap of cobwebs and dust. The left side of the entrance led towards an open kitchen which had rotting food with maggots. The telephone was broken some time back and never fixed. There was no electricity in the house. Everything was in decay. How was a person who claimed to be a prince and demanded the grandeur of a royal family living there in the middle of the jungle all by himself? But the story finally got closure after New York Times journalist Ellen Barry tracked down the other half of the family and estranged older brother by the name of Shahid who'd been living in England far away from this royal mess. I tried to get in touch with Barry as well for this podcast unfortunately she was unavailable. But Shahid confessed to Barry that their father Inayatullah Butt was the registrar of Lucknow University and his brother Ali Raza was Mickey Butt and not really a prince. Shahid's English wife Camilla thought that Vilayat's claims of a royal lineage and I'm quoting the reporter was a bloody big act. But it'd be unfair to call this family fraudulent without getting into the context that triggered it all. Like a lot of stories in the Indian subcontinent Vilayat's story also stemmed from the despair of partition when the family was torn between staying at the comfortable Lucknow home or making the move to Pakistan. But one day Inayatullah was beaten up by some young boys and the decision was made. India was not going to be safe for them so they packed up and set off for Lahore. Inayatullah Butt died soon after and Vilayat found herself at an unstable juncture. Shahid recounted one episode to Barry where Vilayat being furious over the expropriation of a property accosted Pakistan's prime minister at a public appearance and slapped him. And immediately after she got into trouble. She was confined to a mental hospital in Lahore for 6 months where she got electrotherapy and when she finally got out she decided to head back to India with her dwindling wealth. Shahid couldn't explain the exact moment when he decided to break away from them. but it is from this point onwards that the royal tale began back in india vilayat announced that she was the queen of avadh and pressurized the government to hand over the properties of this erstwhile kingdom they even changed their identities to match the theme farhat came to be known as princess sakina and sometimes princess alexandrina mickey but took the name of prince ali raza or prince cyrus 
and they soon also lost touch with the Pakistani side of the family. Shahid was not the only witness quoted in the report. Barry also spoke to the family of the eldest brother Salahuddin Zahid Butt. Butt's wife Salma also said that her mother-in-law's claim of royalty was false. There are other estranged relations in Pakistan who all agree that the plot was a bit delusional. With the last of them gone, Malcha Mahal now remains without any occupant. Being a structure from the Tughlaq period, it may be conserved and protected by the government now, but some mysteries still remain there. Were they simply frauds or was it perhaps a case of delusion and psychosis triggered by partition? You can also check out my photo story on Malcha Mahal on the website or you can find the link on our show notes. For more special podcasts from the Quint, follow our News and Views playlist on Apple, GeoSavan, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and the several other podcast streaming platforms that we're live on right now. For other podcasts, log on to the Quint website and check out the podcast section. For any feedback, send an email to podcast at readthequint.com.